Settle down, everybody. Now, we're standing here on the walls of Derry, and uh, this is the only remaining walled city in all of Ireland. Does anybody know when the walls were built? A hundred years ago? Nice guess, Cian, but no. These walls were built between 1613 and 1618, which makes them over 400 years old. Does anyone know why they were built? Was it to protect the people inside the city? Exactly. These walls were built to protect English and Scottish settlers who came during the plantations. Does anyone know what the plantations were? I'll take that as a no. The plantation was a scheme to bring English and Scottish people to Ireland. The Ulster plantation happened because James I decided that it would be easier to rule Ireland if he had a few more loyal subjects here. And so he gave land to some of them and he developed the city of Derry. And we have a picture here in our textbook of a map which was drawn by a cartographer or map maker called Thomas Raven, which shows a plantation settlement. Now see the houses here? And there are little pictures of trees to show where the woods were. Rabbits here in the corner. And who are the people who lived there? Well, this map doesn't say much about who the people were, but we can see that there were houses built in the British style and the Irish style. So we know that there were either Scottish or English settlers and Irish people living there too, of course. Why did the planters want to come to Ireland? Oh, lots of different reasons, I'm sure. New opportunities, a better life, adventure. If only one of them could tell us their story now, I reckon it would be a good one. Elizabeth, you're fretting for no reason. No reason? Daniel, I think a fear of pirates is a very legitimate reason to be fretting, thank you very much. Anne said she heard some terrible stories about pirates attacking ships on the way over. And by attacking, I mean theft, kidnap, murder, and all manner of horrible things. It's only a three-hour crossing from Scotland to Ireland, and I promise I'll protect you and the wee bairn from any pirates. Well, forgive me if I'm not hugely reassured by that. Well, let's just put it out of our minds for now, shall we? Let's focus on the adventure ahead. We'll have our own land. I won't just be a, a labourer anymore on someone else's farm. You know, I really wish you could be as excited as I am about it all. Oh, I'm sorry, love. I am excited. I really am. I'm looking forward to a fresh start. I wanted to believe that was true. But the move to Ireland was really my husband Daniel's wish and not mine. I had been happy in Lanarkshire. Even though we didn't have very much, it was enough for me. But Daniel was set on leaving Scotland. He was a dreamer, always going after the next big thing. At one point he suggested that we go to the colonies of America. But I put my foot down at that. Up sticks and travel halfway across the world with our newborn child. 
You must be joking, I said. So when Daniel heard about the plantation in Ireland, he knew he wanted to be part of it. And given how close to home it is, I felt I should at least consider giving it a chance. The plantation scheme was a very clever idea, Daniel thought. The king had given land in Ulster to people called undertakers, who then found English and Scottish people to move to Ireland to farm it. Only English speakers mind. They didn't want Gaelic speakers from Scotland as they were worried they'd be too friendly with the Irish. So as we came from the lowlands of Scotland rather than the highlands, where they speak Gaelic, we were just the kind of people they were looking for to become planters. So that's how we ended up on the boat. Daniel looking ahead in excitement. Me looking back at all we left behind. Now, that's better. Dry land! You're not feeling wobbly, are you? No, I'm fine. So, what do you think? This is the port of Donahadee. Looks nice, eh? I'm going to see about getting us some transport to our land. I'll be back in a moment. You wait here. There seems to be a lot of Scots around. Maybe someone can fill you in on what the place is like. Hello? Excuse me, you're from Scotland, I take it? I am, and I'm going straight back there. You're leaving? Is something wrong? Well, where to start? The weather's appalling, the land is impossible, either boggy or too many trees... And if the wolves don't take all your animals, the woodkern will come down from the hills and attack you as you sleep. Woodkern? What's a woodkern? They're Irish bandits, disgruntled at having lost their land. They attack planter families, cause all sorts of trouble. Oh my goodness, that's awful. They never mentioned anything about that when we agreed to come over here. Yes, well, my advice would be not to believe everything you hear. Good day to you. Right, so, your carriage awaits, my dear... Did you find out anything about our new home? Oh, Daniel, what have you gotten us into? Of course I filled Daniel in on everything and he had an answer for everything. The weather, he said, couldn't be any worse than Lanarkshire. I couldn't help but agree. The wolves, he said that was surely an exaggeration, and the woodkern, well, when I mentioned the woodkern, he did look a little uneasy, but then he pointed at his musket and said we were well armed and that he would protect me. So, as usual, it was just me left to worry about it all. The only thing that gave me some comfort was that when we pulled up to our new home, I was glad to see that it was bigger than the one we had left behind. It was a timber house, two storeys high, with fine windows and slates on the roof. On the way, we had seen some houses belonging to the native Irish, but they looked different to our own. They were oval with a thatched roof and only one storey with no windows but a chimney in the middle. I thought you said all of the native Irish had left, that the land was empty apart from the planters. Well, I think the undertakers have found it hard to get enough planter families over, so some of the Irish are staying put. Do you think that's going to be all right? I mean, are they friendly? We'll see. But either way, we can handle it. Don't worry so much, Elizabeth. Look over there. 
that stone house, surrounded by a wall, that's the bawn, which is where the undertaker lives. He's the man who granted us this land. Now, he's a person of means who could live anywhere he chooses, and he wouldn't live here if it wasn't safe, would he? No, I suppose not. Let's just get settled in the house. I'm sure we meet some of the neighbours soon. We had heard that some planter families had to stay in temporary dwellings while their homes were built. But we could move straight in, so that was a relief. The real problem was the land around the house. It was mostly wet bog, so the first thing that Daniel would need to do was to dig drains so that the soil was ready to plant crops. As well as that, he would need to start clearing some of the woodland. I was busying myself with the unpacking when I heard a voice outside, and I was excited about meeting other planters, hopeful of making new friends. But when I opened the door, I knew immediately that the man standing outside looked a bit too well-to-do to be an ordinary planter. Hello. Can I help you? Good day to you. I'm Charles Boyd, the undertaker. Pleased to meet you, sir. I'm Elizabeth Robinson. I'm afraid my husband is just out surveying the land at the moment, but he'll be back soon. I see. I hope you're settling in all right. You're from Lanarkshire, is that right? Yes, sir, in the lowlands of Scotland. My husband was a farm labourer before we came. Excellent. You're just the people we need. I know there's much to be done before you're on your feet, but you can buy some supplies from some of the Irish tenants to keep you going. It's been a bit slow getting planters like yourself over, so I let some of the Irish stay on, but you'll have no trouble from them. They don't speak much English, of course. But they'll sell you bread and butter and some bonny clabber if you're lucky. Mm, uh, what is bonny clabber? It's clotted sour milk. <laughs> Sounds delicious. An acquired taste, perhaps. <laughs> now, when your husband returns, ask him to call into me. I'd like to fill him in on all that needs to be done. Those Irish tenants of mine can give him a hand. When the land is drained, he can fell trees, sell the wood, so that should bring in some money. There's plenty of commerce in this part of Ulster. I believe there's a good market for timber. Yes, I hear there's a lot of building happening in Derry at the moment. There is. In fact, uh, the king has renamed it London Derry because of all the wealthy London business people who have invested their money in the new city. They're building high walls all round it for protection. Protection? Oh, uh, you know, best be on your guard. Uh, some of the Irish can be troublesome from time to time. You needn't worry. Just be careful, particularly around the woodlands. Anyway, I'd best be off. Tell your husband to come and see me. I will. Thank you, sir. It didn't take us long to settle into the new place, and I was surprised to find that everything was quite peaceful. Those first few months were hard, but we got a lot done. Daniel worked with the Irish tenants to dig drains and everything started to fall into place. I began to think that the move hadn't been such a bad idea after all.
Well, the labourers are friendly enough, but I wouldn't trust any Irish person completely. All the same, it's been good to have a hand digging the drains, and at least they know the land. I thought one of them quite unpleasant, though. He looked at me as if I'd stolen the ground from under him. Well, to be fair, Daniel, he doesn't speak English, so it's hard to know, really, isn't it? And I suppose maybe all the new people coming has been unsettling for them. Perhaps they've not been treated fairly. They're still here, aren't they? They still have their land across the way, and the planters have given them work and new ways of farming which will help everyone. We're building a whole new city at Derry, which will bring even more opportunities. What's not to like? Oh, I don't know. Some of them must have lost land, and it just might be difficult for them. Ah, you're too soft, Elizabeth. They're fine. And if not, they'll grow accustomed to it. Well, maybe. Oh, I don't know. One thing I will say is that I'm not really too sure about this bonny clabber stuff. <laughs> maybe we'll grow accustomed to it. Daniel could hardly wait to make a start on the tree felling. After they were cut down, they were chopped into logs and transported to Derry. Much of Ulster was covered in forests, so there was plenty of wood to be had. Part of me felt sad to see the trees go, though. There was a small wood near our home in Lanarkshire, and I'd always liked to walk there. But I was nervous in Ireland, let alone the tales of those Irish bandits, the woodkern who lived in the forest. I was even more scared of the wolves. There were no wolves in Scotland, or England for that matter. Daniel, did you hear that? What? Wolves. They must be nearby. Don't worry, they never really attack people. And we have no animals for them to take, so we needn't be afraid. Just go back to sleep. Well, a fine lot of help you are. Elizabeth, I promise I'll protect you and the wee bairn from any wolves. Hmm, I'll believe that when I see it. Are you sure you'll be all right? I'd bring you with me, but it's going to be a bit hectic in Derry, and I have so much to do. It's fine, Daniel. I'll be all right. You'll be back by nightfall, and I have plenty to keep me occupied here with the baby in the meantime. There's washing to be done, and I might bake some bread. I saw some herbs growing over beyond the stream. You might throw some of them into a stew. Oh, I might do that. I'll see if I can nip out while the baby's asleep. Now you better get going. Take care. I will. See you later. The morning went by quickly, between one job and another, and by lunchtime the baby nodded off. I laid her in the cradle and went outside, glad of the pleasant weather. The land was far less boggy than when we had arrived, and Daniel and the Irish tenants had cleared a fair bit of woodland and it all looked quite pretty in the sunshine. 
Up by the stream, I picked some herbs and placed them in my apron, thinking about what kind of stew I could make. I was just about to turn back to the house when I decided to take a quick turn into the woods. I'm not quite sure what possessed me, but the dappled light coming through the trees was lovely, and the mossy ground reminded me so much of home that in that moment, I didn't feel afraid. I wandered in, planning not to go far and to stay close to the edge of the property. But after a while, I found myself deeper inside the forest, looking at some tiny blue flowers underfoot. That's when I heard a woman's voice. I looked up to see her, and I knew straight away that she was Irish from her dress. She waved her arms at me, as if in warning. Machira! Machira! Oh, I'm sorry. I don't understand what you're saying. I turned, half expecting to see one of the woodkern brandishing his sword, but instead, standing just a few feet away, was a grey wolf, its ears pricked up and its black beady eyes fixed on me. I took a step backwards and it let out a low, menacing growl. I know I probably shouldn't have, but this was too much and I turned and ran, not sure at all which way I was going. I almost knocked myself out by running into a tree. And before I knew it, I found myself climbing it, my hands red raw as I clung to the bark. That's when I saw her, that Irish woman facing down the wolf, throwing stones and shouting at it with words I didn't understand. The wolf paused, growled again, and then turned on its heel and ran away. The woman gestured for me to come down from the tree, but I stayed put, waiting for my racing heart to slow down. I barely noticed the undertaker, Charles Boyd, arrive. My goodness, are you all right? Let me help you down. I, I thought that wolves didn't attack humans. They don't usually, but it was a hard winter, and with the woods being cut away, they've been left hungry. Oh, my Lord, that was close. If it wasn't for this woman... Wait a minute. Where's she gone? Uh, that's one of the tenants from across the way. Uh, not much of a conversationalist. Uh, she doesn't speak the language, you see. Oh, I don't know how she managed to do that, to frighten the wolf. Yes, yes. Well, the Irish in these parts are mostly cattle herders, and dealing with wolves is part of that life. In the summer months, they bring the herd into the mountains to graze, and uh, they need to always to be careful of wolves. I thought I was going to be killed. Mm, you might have been killed all right. But you'll know next time what to do. Don't run away. You must always face a wolf. As long as you stand your ground, make yourself appear frightening. They'll leave you alone. I'll remember that. Thank you. I haven't seen many attacks on humans. It's thankfully rare. And I hear that the king has hired someone to kill all the wolves around here, so perhaps they'll soon be a thing of the past in Ireland. Oh, that would be a good thing, wouldn't it? Mm, maybe not. Perhaps we'd realise some day that we missed them. I doubt that. When Daniel came home, I told him the whole story, and even he got a fright. That night when we heard the wolves howling, I saw him tremble, although he denied it. I made him promise that next time he went to Derry, he'd bring me and the baby with him. I was glad I did.
Derry was very different to any place I'd seen before. All very neatly laid out, with a main square and four streets leading into it. Not like the higgledy-piggledy towns I was used to at home. There was a townhouse and a school, and Daniel said there would soon be at least 200 houses inside the walls as well. I looked around and decided that people inside must feel very safe indeed. It was like they were living inside a huge fort. So that must be the River Foyle? Yes, it's a fine location, is it not? I suppose it is. There don't seem to be many Scottish people around, though. They're mostly English, with maybe one or two Irish labourers. That's the way it is right now, but soon there'll be lots and lots of Scottish people here. I'm sure of it. Uh, The king plans to make it a big city, and they'll need lots more craftsmen and tradesmen. It's exciting, isn't it? Daniel. What? I know that look. What look? You can't be serious. You want us to move here, don't you? It's not a bad idea, you must admit. We've only just finished preparing the land. We're ready to start farming. A perfect time to pass the lease on to someone else. And what exactly are we going to do here? There's plenty of opportunities. Building, trade, lots of people, lots to do, lots of money to be made, and a distinct lack of wolves. Oh, I don't know, Daniel. Look at these big strong walls. You needn't be afraid of anything in here. Well, they wouldn't have built these walls if they weren't expecting some kind of trouble from outside, would they? I promise I'll protect you and the wee bairn from any trouble. And where have I heard that before? (laughs) Come on, let's have a look around. It's going to be great. So this city and these walls are an extremely important part of the story of the Ulster Plantation and everything that happened after it. And what happened after it? Oh, a lot happened. In 1641, the Irish rebelled against English rule and thousands of plantation settlers took refuge here inside this city, behind its strong walls. And after this event, the division between the planters, who were mostly Protestant, and the Irish people, who were mostly Catholic, lasted for hundreds of years. And that's why the island of Ireland is divided into two parts, Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. So if these walls could talk, what kind of story do you think they'd tell? A long story. <laughs> A very long story.
This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.